Hello. We are so glad that you have chosen to stream this audio, and we hope it will encourage you in your faith and your walk towards Christ-likeness. As a side note, we pray that this audio sermon is just supplemental in your relationship with Christ, and in no way replaces the church you are plugged into or the pastor that God has put in your life to shepherd and care for your soul. And so with that said, please enjoy this sermon. We have prayed that God would use it in your life. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 3, just just a short couple of verses that I think would be helpful for us as we think about just the context of the year, thinking about where we're going, where we've been, and, uh, and how we want to approach this year as a church, as a people devoted to Christ. And this is actually a prayer uh, from the Apostle Paul for the church there in Ephesus, but he says in verse 14, he says, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. For the reason, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. He goes on, he says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, According to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So let that be our prayer this morning as we meet together to discuss what it is that God is doing in our church. But then as we approach this year, that we would be strengthened by the Holy Spirit to comprehend the incredible love of God, and see that comprehension come fully out in our lives, in the way that we apply it, in the way that we understand it, in the way that we act and treat one another as members, but as families, as individuals. So every year we come together at this point, actually it's usually a couple of weeks before now, we come together at this point in the year, and... um, and one of the things that I want to do is, if you're a guest with us, this is not normally what happens. Normally, I come from a text, and we look at that text together, and we mine out some of the, the truths that we find there and apply those truths to our hearts. Um, but today is a little bit different. We want to make, basically, as a church, step back for just a moment, maybe 30 minutes, and look at what has happened in the previous year, but then, more importantly, focus our attention on what we are looking at, at doing this year, at what God is doing among us, and, and how we're going to approach ministry, kind of reevaluating our vision as a church, rethinking about uh, what it is that our mission is, is as a church. What, how are we working those, those things out in the lifeblood of the church? So that's, that's the purpose of what we want to do here this morning in the next few minutes. Now, I do want to talk about just briefly... I'm going to go through these very quickly. What happened 
and 2016. You should see a slide behind me. Um, there's a couple of logistical things, things that our facility needed to have done, and so we, we did accomplish some of those things this year. We installed a new sign, as we see outside, so it kind of looks like we're, we're, we're back in business, right? The, the sign was beginning to look really tattered, and so, uh, so we worked really hard to get that new sign, but also as a part of that, a new kind of logo that matches some of the things that are going on in the sanctuary with the stained glass. And, uh, and then also Cameron spent hours and hours renovating the church website to make it more, not only just appealing, but more helpful. And, uh, and so some of those things were, were critical and happened this year. We also had good attendance at the life groups. Uh, life groups, we had uh, good attendance throughout the, the whole year for the most part. Now there's weeks that people go on vacation and things like that, but, but in comparison to the, the last two years, uh, the attendance was better. And, um, and I think a lot of that had to do with maybe the studies that were being chosen and, uh, and the teaching that was happening. But um, anyway, life groups were doing well. Midweek worship, uh, the attendance improved over the course of the year. And um, I don't know if that means the preaching's getting better or if, like, uh, you know, you just enjoy eating together more. I don't know what happened. But, but whatever happened, let's keep it going, right? Midweek worship is just a, a really, it's a shot in the arm. Um, I don't know about you guys. I know when you get to that midweek point in your, in your week, sometimes it's just you feel a little bit like you just need to be in fellowship. You need someone to, uh, to, to come alongside you and encourage you. That's what we're trying to do at midweek. So we're trying to, as Andrew said just a few minutes ago, we, we're praying together, praying for one another, praying for the nations, and we're coming together and we're singing. Um, there's nothing like singing that will, that will lift your spirits. And I deeply believe that. I, I, that's why I'm so very thankful for Cameron. I mean, he, he pastors you well. I don't know if you know that or not, but he does. He pastors you well on Sunday mornings and, and during midweek as he shepherds you through this, this time of, of worship and leading us. So I'm very thankful for that. Midweek is going well. Um, during our midweek times, we, uh, we went through the book of Acts, selections through the book of Acts. We didn't tackle the entire thing, but selections through the book of Acts. And then in our life groups, the studies that we focused on this last year were, uh, were very good. The, the first one was Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald Whitney. And we've had Dr. Whitney here a couple of times. It kind of, I think, gives you a face and connects you with, uh, with the, the person. So I think that sometimes that's really helpful when you can connect, connect with an author. But uh, his book is extremely good. If you have not read that book and you weren't involved in that small group, I encourage you to buy it and go through it yourself. But um, he talks about the importance of Christian discipline and what it looks like in your life as you begin to kind of think about how you can discipline yourself, as he quotes from the Apostle Paul, for the purpose of godliness. And then we went on, we, over the summer, kind of prepared ourselves for the, the insane political fall by reevaluating what it means to be a Christian in a culture that is really post-Christian, and how do, we, how do we think about who we are in relationship to the greater culture at, at large? So in the, the book Onward by Russ Moore, we talked about what it means to be a, a Christian in, a, in America that doesn't look very Christian anymore. And that was very helpful. And then the final book that we looked at was How People Change, which to be quite honest sounds like a really boring title, but the book was great, right? Because reality is all of us need change. Every single day, we need change. We need to be changing. We need to be constantly being transformed, and not just for the sake of transformation, but because that is what God is doing in us. He's constantly shaving off the pieces that need to be gotten rid of. He's, he's, he's purifying us. He's making us new people. 
And so that entire book was devoted to the concept of change, personal change. What does it mean for me to be made to be more like Jesus Christ? And, uh, and so that was a, a, an extremely good study for us. Sunday mornings in Bible study and then also in our time uh, here in our worship services, we looked through Romans and Hebrews. And over the course of the year, we did have some growth as far as membership goes, um, moderate growth. We had a couple of different events that we, uh, that we were involved in regarding evangelism that went well. The Trunk or Treat, uh, we had good attendance at the Trunk or Treat and we were able to talk with people uh, in the community, give Bibles and, and gospel tracts out and talk with folks. Uh, and then also we had uh, distribution of Bibles and other materials from the church uh, to those who were attending the Gaslight Festival. So those are some of the things that happened this last year. And I uh, just want to kind of remind us of, of what it is that we just kind of walked through as then we begin to look now at 2017. So, as always, I think one of the most important things for us to do during these moments that we have at the beginning of the year is to refocus our attention on our mission, on who we are, our, our DNA as a church, or what it should be. And so our mission statement, you'll see there behind me, is our mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the glory of God and the good of all people. There's a lot packed into that, that phrase. That phrase there, make disciples, I believe is the, the, the cornerstone of what it means to be a church. And without that concept, without that, that follow-through of making disciples, you can do all kinds of other different things as a church. But if you're not making disciples, then you're failing as a church. And so as our mission to make disciples, that's why all of the different things that happen in the church, they're devoted to that idea. So if something's going on in the church and it's not in some way connecting with that concept of making us more disciplined followers of Jesus Christ, um, then over the years things have been away over the last eight years. So we want to focus on that, making disciples, and not just making learners, not just reading random books about things that are important and, and, and helpful, but making disciples of one person, Jesus Christ, making learners of Jesus, making us people that look like the master, act like the master, talk like the master, and all of it is for the glory of God, not so that our church is bigger. I don't really care that much about that. We have a bunch of people coming to church. I don't care. What I care about is that we have people coming that are devoted to this ideal, making disciples in your own life, talking with people about the gospel, sharing the gospel, investing in the lives of other people that are around you, your children, investing in them, discipling them, making them more like Jesus Christ, as you, as you teach them, all of that wrapped up in the purpose of the glory of God. And we find in all the, the, everything that is happening for the glory of God is also good for the people of God because God is love and he cares for his church. Okay, so our mission, that's how we, we kind of put that together, but then our vision works it out just a little bit more clearly for us. For one another, for the nations, for Christ. If you have a coffee cup, it's on there. So you see it every time 
that you drink coffee, and I hope that you drink coffee a lot, because that's a good thing, right? For one another, for the nations, for Christ. It's almost like he just kind of simplifies the mission statement. But when you look at this kind of teasing out of the mission statement, for one another, what, what are we saying when we say for one another? When we believe God calls us as people to love one another. He calls us to, to love one another. And we, we love one another, not just by sappily telling each other that we love each other. You can do that if you want. I think that's nice. But it's more than that. It's more than just saying something. It's more than that. It's, it's acting. It's, it's, it's this process of being involved in, in discipleship and praying for one another and being generous with the things that God has blessed you with, whether that's finances or your skills or your talents or your time, whatever it is. But it's loving other people more than you love yourself. That's what the gospel tells us to do. So we're for one another. Now notice, we're for one another. You can say it a couple of different times. For one another. We're for one another, right? The purpose of the statement really is that we are, we are for one another. We, we are pro each other. We are lifting each other up. We're not against one another. We're not opposing one another. We're not backbiting. We're not gossiping. We're not slandering. No, we are positively for each other. Why? Because we're one. We're unified as a body under the head of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're for one another, we're for the nations. We believe God calls us to take the gospel to the nations. So what we believe, when we look at the scriptures, when we look at Matthew 28, we see that Jesus tells us to go make disciples of all nations, all ethnicities is what he's saying, everyone. That, that includes the people here in J-Town that look like, the majority of us. That includes the people in J-Town who don't look like the majority of us or have the same culture or have the same kinds of language. It includes everyone that is surrounding us, but it also includes everyone beyond our borders, beyond even this country's borders. We're for the nations. We want the nations to hear the truth of Jesus Christ. And so because that is a fundamental about who we are, we obey the Great Commission. We obey by praying. We pray together for the nations. We send out workers into the field. I think specifically of kin. Going once again, if you were here on Wednesday, he talked about what God is doing in his life and how God has used him even this last time, 14 times to Kenya. And he's training up pastors Training pastors to love Jesus better. Training pastors to teach the word of God better to their, to their flocks. And now he's going again, like in March. So as a church, we rally around what God is doing. We send. And then we also go. And that means you have to set aside some time. Sometimes that means you have to set aside some resources to be able to go. Because it's critical to the Great Commission. Then finally, for Christ, everything we do is ultimately for the glory of God, all of it. It's not for my glory, it's not for Cameron's glory, 
It's not for Doris's glory. It's not for any of our glory. But it's for the glory of God. And so we are, as a church, united, striving to make Christ's name known. Known in our community, known around the world. Joining in that effort to make Christ known. And so everything that we do as a church, all of our services, all of our ministries, all of it is to be oriented toward that goal of the glory of God found in Jesus Christ. That's our vision. Now, talked about the mission, talked about the vision. So many different things, right? Our focus. Now, as a church, we are doing things, some things very well. And some things we can do better. And I think that's always the case wherever you find yourself. But when we, we think about who we are, we think about those things that we just talked about, the mission, the vision, what do we want to be about at JBC, Jefferson Town Baptist Church? What do we want to be about? What do we want to be the lifeblood of what is happening among us. I want to focus our attention on five key components that I think really ought to be about, be what we are about as a church. The first is we want to be a Bible-driven church. Now, we wrestled over that terminology, didn't we, Cameron? <laughs> we don't want to be a Bible-thumping church. You know, we don't want to be a, what was the other one? We don't want to be a, I don't know, a lot of them have negative connotations, and so you don't want to be that. Um, but we want to be driven by the Bible. We want the, the motivating factor in our, the, the, the heart of our church to be the Bible. Not a personality. I can get run over by a truck tomorrow. It shouldn't affect the direction, the motivation, and the position of the church. Same thing could happen to any of us. The motivation for why we do what we do and the clarity with which we do it must come from the Word of God. And that's why everything that we do, when we meet together on a regular basis, it's, it's devoted to the Word. That's why we spend so much time in our services reading the Bible, because we really believe that it is the inerrant Word of God, that when we open up the Word of God, as we read it, we are hearing from the Lord himself. He's speaking to his church. He's healing his body. He's instructing his body. He's equipping the saints for the work of ministry. And so that's why we begin our services with an invocation. Not, a, not so much a prayer from one of us, but a, an invocation that comes from the word of God. He is speaking to his church as we begin our time in worship. And then we, we hear from the word two, sometimes three times throughout the worship experience from members of the praise team. And then we read from the Word of God and we have it exposited here in a sermon time. And then at the very close of the service, what happens? The benediction. The Word of God opens us up. The Word of God closes the service. So the Word of God is what is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. The Word of God is what equips us, changes us. And that's why we study it so much. 
Bible study, worship, midweek, life groups. All of it focused upon the Word of God. The Word of God is what will transform us. The Word of God is what will make us into different kinds of people that are more like Jesus Christ. So we want to be a Bible-driven church. We want to be driven by the Scriptures and what the Scripture teaches. Secondly, we want to be a worshiping church. We've talked for years about worship. And... Um, and this is something Cameron has said over and over again, especially in times where he has, he has preached about worship, which I think is, is wonderful that you have a worship pastor that preaches. He preaches about worship and talks about the fact that worship, what is happening right here is, it ought to be not just like the, the anomaly of your week, where you use vocal cords to actually say something in some sort of musical tone, some of it better than others, Right? But you're saying something that you don't normally say, and you're using music to do so. And Cameron has said over and over, that's, that's, it shouldn't be an anomaly through your week, but it should be the climax of a week of worship. You've spent the majority of the time this past week, you, you've read your Bible, you've been praying, uh, you've been offering up songs to the Lord, whether you can sing or not, even in your mind, you're worshiping, you're devoting your life to the idea of, the, of pleasing the Lord, of giving all of what is going on in your life to the glory of God. So whatever you do, whether you eat or whether you drink, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. And so when you come on a Sunday morning, it's not like you've come and now it's, you know, oh, it's worship time. No, it's now it's the culminating event of a life of worship. That's what's happening. That's what we want to be about. A worshiping church Really, not just a, a, a church who sings good, but a worshiping church is an evangelizing church. A worshiping church is a missional church. A worshiping church is a changing church. A worshiping church is a church that bears one another's burdens and cares for the lost and cares for those who are in need in our community. A worshiping church. That's what we want to be. We want to be a worshiping church. Church. Next, we want to be a, a caring community. I think that's probably one of the most encouraging things as a pastor is, um, is when I talk to people who are guests or who are thinking about membership or something like that, one of the things that, that continually comes up, one of the things that continually comes up is I kind of just feel them out about, so did you, did you feel like people were friendly? Did they, did they talk to you? I've been in churches, and maybe you've been in churches where you walk in, and it's obvious that you are the person that is not in the crowd, right? You walk in, and like, there's the pews for the guests, and nobody's sitting there. And then you're just kind of ushered that direction, right? That's really horrible and really discouraging. And I think one of the things that, that, that is true about us and that has been true about us for a long time is just an overwhelming friendliness. Maybe not overwhelming, but maybe not underwhelming. We're friendly. When guests come in, typically people say to me, yeah, they, several people came up and talked to me, you know, and, and we're really friendly. You know, even asked me to go out to lunch with them on that, that Sunday afternoon. That's good. That's really good. We want to be more like that. 
And so if that's your gifting, if that's your personality to go up and talk to people you don't know, thank you for doing that. And if that's not your personality, that's one of the things that you can grow in in 2017. It's important to touch base with people that you don't know. It's important to build relationships. It's important to care about those who have come and have joined us. So we want to be a caring community, not just with guests, but with our, each other, too. We want to be a community that, that serves one another, that, that, that actually, it's not just we come together on a Sunday morning and, and we, uh, we sing some songs, we you know, go through the Bible study in, in class, and then we hear Luke get up and talk for oh, forever, and then we go home, and that's it. No, you want to invest in each other's lives. Because I, I cannot physically be in your life, every single one of you, like I would like to be. It's impossible. I don't have that many hours in the week. But that's why we have each other. That's what we're here for. It's not just for the pastor to do all of the work of, of encouraging and, 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 and discipling and, and working and ministering and, and, and visiting and doing all the, It's not just the pastor's job. The scripture tells me that my job is to equip you and not to equip you just to sit there where it's semi-comfortable, but to equip you for the work of ministry. Because it's not my ministry. There's too many pastors that misunderstand that. This, is you. this church is not my ministry. It's ours. It's ours. I haven't got... I'm called to be an ambassador for the gospel of Jesus Christ, same as you. God has given us different skill sets. He's equipped us in different ways sometimes. But we're all about the same thing. That is the ministry of the gospel in this place. So we want to continue to foster this atmosphere of genuine relationships, really caring about one another, loving one another, asking real questions, not just surface questions that everybody has the right answers for. Real questions that go deeper, that focus on real life, real struggles, real burdens, and not just ask them so that then we can say, oh, that's, that's terrible, I'll be praying for you, and then send them on their way. No, we can join with them in the suffering. We can carry one another's burdens. We can counsel one another. We can encourage each other. Caring community. Next, we want to have healthy families. The family is the nucleus of the church, relationally. If we have dysfunctional families, we will have a dysfunctional church. So we want to, as a staff, we want to, as, as Sunday school teachers, as leaders, deacons, we want to pour in to families. We want to encourage families. We want to see husbands who are acting husbandly. husbandly. That's not a word. We want you to act like better husbands, myself included. Guys, we, we need to love our wives like Christ loves the church. And it didn't look really pleasant for Jesus when he was dying on the cross. 
Sacrifice yourself for your wife. Love your wives like Christ loves us and gave everything up for us. Wives, submit yourselves to your husband like the church, like we submit to Christ. We want to train one another in this. We want to equip one another in in living lives that are holy, that are loving, that are encouraging. We want to see people become better parents. If you ever get to a point where, and I think, well, if you ever get to this point, like, you have internal issues, but you get to a point where you think you've arrived as a parent and you just have it you know, all going on, you know exactly what to do in every situation, please come tell me how you've done that. <laughs> but the truth is we all need growth in parenting. We all need to be equipped. We all need to be strengthened. We all need to be supported and prayed for and encouraged because the work of parenting is difficult, but it's rewarding. As you begin to see the light come on in little people's eyes about the gospel, as you begin to see them being changed and, and transformed by the Holy Spirit and by the gospel. Friends, that doesn't happen overnight. And when we see one another struggling, we don't just let, the, let them go on and, uh, about their business. We want to surround them and encourage them and help them. Because we want to be about families at our church. Dysfunctional families lead to dysfunctional churches. Remember that. Then the last one, we want to be a telling church. Always, without a doubt, we talk about the things that are most important to us, don't we? I mean, every one of us. Not just talking about grandparents. What do you talk most about? Think back about your week. What do you talk most about? Your work, with your family, what are you talking about? You're talking about the things that you're doing at work, things that you're studying. Talk about your children, talk about your grandchildren. Maybe you're talking about that Netflix show that you can't stop watching. Talk about your favorite kind of music, your favorite kind of band. You talk about the book that you're reading and really enjoying. Talk about the weather. That's a little boring, but you can talk about that. Talk about the old days, the things that happened a long time ago, memories. The reality is you talk about what's most important to you. So when you think about us as a church, what are we talking about? What are we talking about on a regular basis with those around us? Are we a telling church or are we a quiet church? Are we telling people in the community, people around us, are we telling them about the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are we telling them that there is salvation to be found in Jesus Christ? Are we telling them that this this world system, the culture that we live in, props up a false idea of what it means to be happy, a false idea of what it means to be hopeful, and that there is no hope found in pleasure? There's no hope found in power. There's no hope found in the systems of the world. The only hope that can be found is in Jesus Christ. Are we sharing the gospel with the people around us? Are we a telling church? Are we a quiet church? Some of you are telling. Probably the majority of you are quiet. 
I wonder why that is. I don't think it's because you don't love Jesus. I don't think it's because you don't understand the gospel. The only thing that I can think is that you're more fearful of people than you are fearful of God. And it's a misunderstanding. We have to be about the work of ministry, and that involves talking to people. And sometimes it means talking to them about uncomfortable things, like hell, like their soul, like priorities, like family, like salvation, like sin. But the truth is, it's not my job any more than it's your job. If I'm reading Paul right in 2 Corinthians 5, all of us have been made ambassadors for Christ. And our job is to plead with people. Be reconciled to God. So if you're, you're a follower of Jesus, that's your job. So you have to evaluate. Am I doing my job? Or am I not doing my job? The job's not to sit here. Job's not to go to Sunday school. Job's not to eat a great fellowship breakfast, which is a lot of fun every Sunday. Your job is to talk to people about Jesus. Isn't that simple? Now imagine if that was... If Jesus was the priority in your life, more so than like a Netflix binging show like Sherlock, wouldn't you talk about him more? I would think so. If he was the thing that was constantly on your mind, the person that was constantly in your mind, wouldn't you talk about him more? And because he's not here, I'll talk about him. Clancy Dixon is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Have you ever had a conversation with Clancy that didn't end up with Jesus? Raise your hand if you have. Thank you. That's an example of what it means to be contagiously in love with Jesus Christ. We could all learn a little bit from him. We want to be a telling church. Now, every time. All right. I want us to read through the church covenant. Something I like to do at least annually, just as a reminder of who we are and what we've committed to one another. And it should be on the screen behind me. Um, if you see the, the actual screen there, that's the original church covenant. But um, I'm going to read this at the very end. I'm going to ask you to join with me in reading, but I'll tell you when. But I want you to, to listen to these words. These are the words that we've agreed upon as a covenant with one another. This is what it says. Having been led as we believe by divine grace to embrace the Lord Jesus Christ as the one and only Son of God and to give ourselves completely to Him and having been baptized by immersion in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we do now solemnly and joyfully enter into covenant with each other to walk together in Him with brotherly love to His glory as our common Lord. Therefore, in his strength, we make the following commitments. We humbly practice mutual accountability and compassionately care for one another in order to promote the growth of the whole body in Christian knowledge 
purity and love until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to maturity. We will regularly practice the corporate worship of God and the ordinances of the church, which are baptism and communion. We will intentionally support and maintain individual spiritual devotion and family discipleship so that our children and those under our care will be led into the service of Christ and the enjoyment of His eternal kingdom. We will cheerfully give of our financial resources for the faithful work of gospel ministry among us, for the support of the poor, the widow, and orphan, and for the promotion of the gospel of Jesus Christ to all peoples. We will cautiously guard against the world's influences while living faithfully for Christ so that we may effectively bear witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We will lovingly encourage and, if necessary, rebuke one another in the spirit of meekness, keeping watch over ourselves also, lest we be tempted. We will remind one another that in baptism we have been buried with Christ and raised again so that we have an obligation to walk in the newness of life. We will deliberately build up the body by not slandering one another, lying to one another, complaining about one another, nor provoking one another to anger. We will be slow to take offense, but always ready for reconciliation, being ever mindful of the grace of God that has been lavished upon us all. We will joyfully submit to one another in brotherly love, pray for one another, and aid one another during times of sickness and distress. We will weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice by cultivating feelings of sympathy, compassion, and respect toward one another. We dutifully promise that when we remove ourselves from this body, we will, as soon as possible, unite with another church where we can carry out the spirit of this covenant and the principles of God's holy word. Now you read with me in this sec next section, this last section. May the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, our great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make us perfect in every good work to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. If you affirm those words as your covenant today, I want you just to say, Amen. Amen. Let that be what we're about as a church. Now, realize I'm running short on time. So we'll look ahead in the next six minutes. Okay. I do want to focus just briefly on areas of need. So we look forward to 2017. Areas of need, there are a few. Uh, one of those is nursery care. I don't know if you've noticed or not. We're having babies like it's going out of style here. <laughs> babies everywhere. Everywhere you look, in the corner is a baby. And so we need more workers in the nursery. We need a bigger rotation. We need volunteers. We need server, servants. And so... I want to ask you to, to prayerfully consider being a part of that. In the next several weeks, we're going to be putting together a more robust rotation, um, and so I want to encourage you to serve in that capacity. Uh, also, with the additional children that we've had, uh, we're looking at beginning children's church uh, for a little, very little people, um, and so we're putting together a possible rotation for that too. And so investing in the lives of children is incredibly important. And I know, 
I know some of you will say, oh, I did that. I did that. You don't ever really graduate from being a servant. I'm sorry. That's called death, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but you don't get to graduate from being a minister of the gospel and a servant. And so it doesn't really matter if you've done that for years and you've had a break. What I'm asking you to do is prayerfully consider serving and investing your life into the life of these little kids because they need it. They need you. We need workers on Wednesday nights and Sunday nights. We have, this is, this is often how it happens, but we have, just like just about every other church, 20 to 30% of the people in the church doing all of the work. And so there's 70, 80% that come on a regular basis that are on Sunday mornings that are not serving in any great capacity. And what happens on a regular basis with churches is that 20%, that 30%, they get burned out. They do ministry, they do ministry, they invest, they invest. They're not ever experiencing anyone else pouring into their lives. And so we need to give people breaks. We need rotations. We need a greater involvement from the people of God, investing in the lives of kids, investing in other ways as servants. Also, if you're interested in hosting a life group this year, um, we're going to be putting out, next week we'll have a sign-up roster uh, next week, we'll have um, some options as far as if you would like to, to sign up to be a host home in the future, the opportunities for that. Uh, also, Cameron wanted me to mention that we need sound and video technicians for all services, not just Sunday mornings, but Wednesday nights as well. So if you're interested in serving in that capacity, there's places for you to be able to help and serve. And then also volunteers for greeting ministry. So Grant in the next several weeks is going to be uh, communicating with all of us about some different ways that we might be able to, to participate and, and serve. And so we'll, we'll hear from those things. All right, looking at, very briefly, at <clears throat> ministry plans for the coming year. Which is a really condensed version. Sunday morning series, we're going to be going through a couple of different series in 2017, some of 2018. We're kind of expanding it out because some of these are a little bit lengthy. Um, one of the things I've always wanted to do is study the book of Revelation. And, um, and so I keep, every time we get together, <laughs> every time we get together, I, I laugh and I say, I think, I think we're going to do Revelation. It's like one of those hesitating things. Once you make the commitment, I think that's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> um, so we're going to look at Revelation at some point this year. So it's going to be a long study, so we're going to break it into pieces and, and we'll have some different series in, in mingled within. So we're going to look at the Sermon on the Mount as well. Uh, possibly a series on spiritual warfare, and then a series on, on ministering to one another, for one another, focusing on that, that key component of what it means to be a church, and then also looking at stewardship. Life groups, because of the survey that you guys filled out, uh, we are going to be focusing, the, the top, it's interesting, the top, uh, the top choice for life group studies was spiritual warfare, and, um, and so we're going to focus on that first in, in February. And we'll be reading a book together and, and meeting together to talk about that. And then also apologetics. Now, the world of apologetics is very diverse. And so we're in the process of kind of, that's something that all of us feel like we want to tackle. We're going to try and find something that would be really helpful to, to focus on issues that we're all dealing with in regards to apologetics. And so some of those things will be coming out a little bit more clearly in the next week. But midweek worship, as Andrew already mentioned, we're going through the Gospel of Mark. And then also just kind of want to kind of Wet your appetite, make you, 
help you start thinking in this vein. Um, on Monday nights, one of the things that's been going on at our church, so some of you know and some of you don't know, um, is some biblical counseling. And um, if you're not aware of what biblical counseling is, that's okay. Um, we haven't really talked too much about it. Uh, but it's something that I think we're going to be, be talking about uh, a lot in the future. Uh, it's a, it's a, a pattern of equipping the saints for ministry, uh, discipleship, really intentional discipleship, and helping those who are hurting. And so I'm thankful for uh, several people that have jumped up and, 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 are, and are equipped to do some counseling. Um, Jenilee Roddy is, uh, has, as you know, graduated with her master's in biblical counseling and is assisting on Monday nights with a case. Um, and then Eddie Phillips, who's a certified biblical counselor with ACBC, is also assisting with some cases. And so as we think about what is happening on Monday nights, we're, we're investigating and looking at what it would look like as a church to, to actually have a ministry that not only helps us as a church work through issues that we have, but also being able to minister to people outside our walls and using that as an opportunity to be able to evangelize and share the gospel and see transformation take place. And so over this, this year, we're going to be looking at that. We're going to be looking at policies. We're going to be developing that, making uh, some, some um, I don't know, I was going to say charts, but that's weird. We're going to be looking at all of those things together. And then we're going to be meeting as a church body to discuss it, to answer questions, kind of like we've done in the past with town halls and things like that. And so um, anyway, I just want to kind of clue you into that as you can begin to pray about how maybe the Lord would involve you in, in this kind of a ministry. And so thinking about uh, people that feel led to pray. Maybe you don't feel like you, uh, you're the person who wants to counsel or help in that way or, or, or you're not quite there at that point to be, you know, uh, learning some of these different things, but you, you want to pray. And so having people that come on Monday nights and pray for those who are counseling, praying for those who are being counseled. Uh, so there's lots of different ways that you can serve. But um, uh, anyway, throughout 2017, as we begin to investigate this and see God change people's lives, I think it will be very encouraging ministry for us to, to take part in. So also missions and evangelism. Obviously, uh, missions to Kenya. I want to highlight those as Ken continues to go. And, and, um, and also thinking about ways that we can uh, sin, whether it's to Africa, to maybe somewhere else, or, or something like that. As we look at this year, um, we want to not only send money, but send people to be able to invest in the lives of those around uh, the country and the world. And then finally, we'll have some evangelism opportunities and, and training opportunities for everyone as well. So main thing that I want us to come away from this day with is that centerpiece of who we are. What are we about? We want to be about making disciples. We want to be about the glory of God in Jesus Christ. And so we are for one another. We have to be. We're, we're united by the blood of Christ. We're for one another. We're for the nations. That's the mission. The nations includes J-Town. It includes Zimbabwe. It's all of it. And we're for Christ. All of what we do, every service, every activity, every life group, every Sunday school class, all of it is for Christ and for the glory of God found in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, as we look at these things, as we approach this, this year, would you give us the strength that Paul prayed about? Strength to 
comprehend the love of Christ. The strength to obey. God, would you help us to individually be transformed by the gospel so that, Lord, corporately as a body, we might be effective. Effective in winning souls to Christ. Effective in making disciples of Christ. Effective in bearing one another's burdens. Oh, God, help us. Equip us through your spirit to do the work of ministry. We pray in Jesus' name.